Stern. And I'm Mike Moffat. Recently, we've seen some cities uh, and municipalities voting on whether to draft bylaws on multiplexes. Specifically, it's about whether to draft bylaws that allow four units on any lot. And we've seen this in Mississauga. We saw this in Kitchener and Guelph. And Mississauga said no, while Guelph and Kitchener said yes. So I want to talk to you, Mike, about that. First of all, why do you think it didn't pass in Mississauga, but it did in those other two places? Yeah, this is this is a bit of an, an issue. And uh, Mississauga has always had a reputation for being somewhat uh, nimbyish and, uh, you know, not uh, not wanting too much density in suburban neighborhoods, sort of a, a tall and sprawl approach. And they've lived up to that moniker that as part of the federal housing accelerator that uh, the uh, housing minister Fraser has put a number of uh, conditions on municipalities that want to access that money. And one of the conditions they've been putting on this is uh, the ability to build four units as of right in any lots. As of right, it's like, it means that like no one can say no. Well, well, basically, how it works right now in, in uh, most cities is that if you want, to, if it's a you know R1 zoning, so that's the basic kind of zoning that you have for a, a suburban suburban home. Um, yeah, if you want to build a single detached home, you can, and nobody can sort of essentially stop you as long as you meet the other requirements of you know setbacks and parking minimums and that kind of thing. Whereas if you want to build uh, a, a home with, with three separate units or four separate units, you have to go get permission from the city. And there's a whole process and you know your neighbors get to weigh in and complain about it. So the change here is that you could then do that uh, as, a, as a right, which makes a lot of sense to me. You know, I live in an, an existing uh, neighborhood uh, in Ottawa and you know the status quo is like i could tear down my home tomorrow my hundred year old home tomorrow and build a mcmansion and nobody could really stop me but if i wanted to tear down the home and build you know four smaller units to help address ottawa's housing crisis i would go through this whole process so that's the idea here that you'd be able to do these things as of right the same way you could with a a single detached home i know that the provincial government in Ontario put in a rule allowing triplexes across the board all around the province. Um, but this, from my understanding, these proposals that they're making is not just adding one more, but also in Toronto, at least it expanded some of the rules. So I know that there was a rule in the provincial plan that said you can build triplexes, but you can't uh, add square footage to the home. So your 100 year old home, as you said, you could build a much bigger McMansion. But if you wanted it to be a duplex, you would have to do it in the current square footage of your home, you can't add another floor. Is that still on the table right now in these new plans? Yeah, so so for the new ones, know that the uh, the federal government isn't uh, re- requiring uh, that as part of the housing accelerator. It's it's more just the building uh, four units as of right. So there is some sort of wiggle room for municipalities to to define what that what that means. And are they doing? Yeah, that? We, 
Um, yeah, that, that's well. We haven't actually seen that yet. That basically cities have so, kind of agreed uh, to this thing, but the actual you know official plans and the actual zoning bylaws haven't uh, haven't actually changed yet. So the devil is in the details, but. Uh, you know, what they're basically doing is kind of agreeing in principle and saying, okay, yes, we will do this and uh, we, we are happy to accept your money. And for the most part, in most cities that this have this has been going through as part of the housing salary, not just passing, but passing unopposed, uh, where, you know, uh, cities are saying, okay, yeah, we'll do this. And it's passing, you know, 12-0 or whatever their council size is. Mississauga was interesting that this ended up being a five five votes on on council and the reason why it's an even number and not an odd number like it usually is is that the the, the mayor has essentially recused herself from this process as she runs for uh provincial li liberal leader so you know there's a whole kind of subtext here of uh you know the uh, a missing sort of politician um so this is this is interesting and you know a little unexpected to me that uh, you know again although Mississauga has traditionally had this kind of reputation you know we're I, I didn't expect it to play out the way it did. And when you say that it's tall and sprawl there, I guess that's like you see the tall buildings all concentrated in those one or a few areas in a lot of these places, and then just sprawl everywhere else, right? Yeah, exactly. So there are there are a lot of high rises in, in in Mississauga, but we have basically what we call the missing middle. That there's no there's nothing sort of in between, right? So you you get these thirty and forty uh, story apartment buildings that could be condos, it could be rentals, and then kind of a sea of single detached homes, and you know you have these kind of missing uh, other housing types, whether they be uh, you know row housing or uh, triplexes or, or things like that. They, I mean, they exist obviously, but, but you know, not in, in huge uh, proportions relative to, to other communities. So yeah, it's, it's just been the, the history of, uh, design in Mississauga over the last 30 to 40 years where you, you get these two housing types and not a lot in between. I know that there was a time recently that you had released some information about how Mississauga had approved. I think it was, they hadn't approved any new developments. What, what happened there? Yeah, it was pretty low. So, so one of the things that uh, we've been doing is tracking the uh, provincial targets. Uh, so the, the province has set uh, housing starts or housing completion targets, and they're actually not clear in, in their own mind what, what they've set. You know, are they measuring starts or completions? But they've, they've set these targets, and we've been tracking uh, progress uh, towards towards these targets. And, and Mississauga is near the bottom, that they've been around uh 20 or 25 percent uh, of the rate that they need to be and yeah i think there was a there was a month a few months ago where um they had uh completed two houses and approved one or something like ridiculous like that where you know it should be closer to, to a few hundred or a thousand uh, which uh, did end up generating headlines, which I, I didn't really mean to do. I just put this out there and uh, some some journalists picked up on it. Um, but yeah, it, it has been it has been a challenge um, you know, in Mississauga's defense that they'll say, well, well, look, you know, we don't build homes. We don't even start homes. We just create the conditions for them to be built. And, you know, we've got issues with uh, developers getting approvals and not building and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, they would argue against the, the usefulness of this metric, but overall, yeah, they're not, uh, they're not, the, the performance hasn't been there based on this metric, but they're not last. Burlington 
is uh, Burlington is last. But yeah, overall, uh, we're not seeing a, a lot of uh, constru construction in, in Mississauga right now. So you're not surprised that they didn't go ahead with this multiplex? Uh, not even a plan. It's really a plan to make a plan, I believe, was, was what they were voting on. Yeah, it's a, it's a plan to make a plan. And, you know, oddly enough, uh, you know, if I look at all the communities where this probably doesn't make as much of a difference to the housing stock, it might be Mississauga, right? Because most of the places you're going to get a lot of fourplexes aren't so much uh, building new or uh, renovating homes, but it's actually in new subdivisions allowing developers to go, hey, well, if I put in a bunch of uh, fourplexes all over the place, I can probably charge more for them and, and make more money. Um, so it doesn't, you know, Mississauga probably doesn't affect all that much. I guess what they're, some of these counselors might be worried about is, again, folks like me, existing homeowners going, well, hey, wait, you know, if I, you know, if I tear down my home and, and replace it with a, with a fourplex, uh, you know, maybe I can rent out the other three units and make some money. It's good for the housing supply, but it might it might annoy some of their neighbors. So I guess that's what they're thinking. I don't know. This is it's a bit challenging to me. This seems like it's something that should be put throughout a lot of different places in this province, because even places where like the, there's not a lot of new developments of like low rise. I keep thinking like of kids and of seniors who might not want the full family size home, like people who you know people who are. I think about all my friends who are moving out of the city and they generally want to live in a house. And I keep thinking if they could live in, in a unit in a, in a low rise with a shared backyard with another family in a duplex or triplex or fourplex, I think a lot of them would choose that instead of moving far out. And then also I think about seniors who want to downsize and have nowhere to go. So if they have it as an option, at least a senior could potentially like, they could renovate their home or they can move into a home that's been renovated they could live in a place where they have an apartment where they can just walk in and not have any stairs. Like it could actually make a big difference for the people who are living there right now and still want to stay in their neighborhoods as they age, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we were uh, looking at the data recently, uh, Jesse Helmer, who, who works with me uh, at the Institute, and something like a third of, of individuals uh, who are single family individuals. So this could be somebody who's uh, single or, a, you know, widower or, or what have you. A third of them live in a single detached home with three bedrooms or more. So you think about that for, uh, you know, you've got the, these people, you know, a single person living in a three or four or five bedroom home having options where they could say, okay, you know what? I don't need all of this space. Maybe I can renovate it, split this home in two or, or three, stay here because I like the neighborhood. I like the stores, things like that, but then make a little bit of money renting out these side units, but still having some, some privacy. It's not like a, a completely shared home that might be able to help them out. So there's a big challenge we have in this province, better utilizing the housing stock that we have. And that's, you know, one of the sort of disappointing things about this vote. Yeah, being able to actually use what we have, that makes a lot of sense. And I know I remember once getting in trouble on Twitter when I brought it, that that's exactly what you said, where I said how the number of people who are living in places with way too many bedrooms for what they, for the number of people living there, 
uh, and we have too, too many people who are needing more bedrooms who are living in places with too few, like how do we solve that problem? And there seem to be a lot of people who are like, oh, you're saying that they need, that these people who have these, owe oh, these people their homes, or what are you suggesting we do about that? Are you saying that we need to tax them for their bedrooms? And I'm like, no, it's just, this is a real problem we have. And like, it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help those people who who can't maybe upkeep an entire an entire family size home, or they can't, uh, or they don't want to have a whole house. Like it makes a lot of sense for everyone if, if they solve this. I think it's it's really would be good all around. So, I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And I get frustrated at that too. Sometimes this conversation where you talk about seniors being overhoused and you're like, what are you just going to round them up and put them into long-term care homes or things like that? It's like, no, no, that's not what I'm su suggesting. It's, you know, and I like to use the term, it's a little academic and wonky, but I call it involuntarily overhoused. Mm. It's, it's people who have too much housing um, who would like to have less, but, but can't find somewhere to go. And, you know, I talk to, you know, folks like my parents and their, their friends all the time and they're, you know, they're, they're mid, uh, mid seventies and older. And a lot of times it's, they would love to downsize, but they want to stay in their neighborhood. You know, they like, uh, they like going to the dog park. They like seeing their friends and, and things like that. Um, they don't want to move to a high rise condo downtown, particularly if they've spent the last 40 years in the suburbs, but there's nowhere for them to go. So absolutely. If we can create new, uh, housing options, which could be, could be fourplexes, allow them to stay in the neighborhoods they want to be in that, you know, would help them downsize and create, uh, more housing options for, for first time home buyers. And it's also better use for our infrastructure. I can't tell you. How many existing elementary schools and high schools in, in older neighborhoods where they're having to bus kids in uh, because like everybody who lives in that neighborhood built in the 80s, they're all seniors now and, and don't have kids there. And then other parts of, of cities where, you know, the, the class, they, they have more portable classrooms than they have uh, uh, actual classrooms in the buildings because, you know, it's just nothing but young kids, right? So mm -hmm. if we could allow young families to, I know this is a bit of a rant, but if we could figure out to get ways to get young families into these uh, subdivisions built in the 70s and 80s, we'd also just better utilize our infrastructure. Yeah, fewer people having to drive places, more people walking their kids to school, it'd all be a lot better if they could, if it'd be and safer for people if they can do that in, in an area where it's built for that kind of thing, right? Like, it, that makes a lot of sense. I was thinking about with, um, with Bonnie Crombie running to be liberal leader, like, I, it, watching the liberal leadership race, it seems like they're, they actually are getting a little bit of a fight to see who has the best housing plan. And like, that's amazing to see. Do you think that this could hurt her? In the in the race, yeah, it, it it might. I mean, it might already uh, solidify perceptions that that people already uh, have of her. Though I, I've noticed as well, though, that she's also getting criticized for being too developer friendly, and it's it's kind of hard to square that circle of being too nimby and being too developer friendly at, at at the same time. So you know, I don't I I don't know how much it's it's going to hurt her, particularly when um, you know some of the criticism that she's getting is somewhat uh, contradictory. I will say that that her and and the other three candidates as well have really upped their game on on the housing pile. That they um, you know they don't have perfect plans, but there does seem to be this kind of race to the top thing happening, which is which is fantastic to see.
Yeah, hopefully it translates to the next election, all the parties doing that as well. The provincial housing minister, Paul Calandra, made it clear he wasn't happy about Mississauga's decision, and he said that the province wouldn't tolerate them preventing development. And I want to read a tweet out that I had read from Eric Lombardi, the head of More Neighbours Toronto, where he said, can someone explain to Paul Calandra what his job is? He is responsible for this. We literally would not be having this conversation right now if the Ontario PC party had just listened to its provincial housing task force and legalized fourplexes by right. And I read that and thought, he's not wrong. The housing affordability task force recommended that exactly. And the government didn't do it. And if they had, we wouldn't have had to have these votes in different municipalities, but it looks like they're just kind of kicking it to the municipalities going, I don't know if this is going to be popular for us to do it. So you guys take the heat, but also you better do the thing that we actually could be making you guys do. Like, what's up with that? Yeah, it's a good way of describing it, because absolutely that uh, the provincial uh, affordability task force back in the report, which is February 2022, it's almost you know two full years old now. Um, recommended that the, the province set that as, as a minimum standard, which it, it absolutely can. You know, we have to remember that municipalities are creatures of the province. Um, so if the province says fourplex is by right everywhere, fourplex is by right everywhere. They chose for whatever reason uh, not uh, to do that, which, which I think is unfortunate. They did, you know, make some changes on triplexes and a few other things, but they didn't, they didn't go fully there. So that created a bit of a vacuum, which the federal government has decided to fill. Now, jurisdictionally, the federal government can't tell Mississauga or Guelph to do this because it's in provincial jurisdiction. But what they can do is, is basically say, oh, well, we've got this housing accelerator and we've got $4 billion here. But if you want it, you have to meet all of these conditions. So, so basically, they're um, you know, the province could dictate reforms. They didn't do that. So the federal government uh, is basically buying those reforms. Now, one thing that the province is doing that it's that is smart, and I think they should have done about 18 months ago, is they've actually asked all the municipalities to basically go over the uh, affordability task force report and say, you know, which one of the which one of these recommendations do you like and which ones don't you like? And I think for them, for the province, is essentially a win-win approach, where if the municipalities say, okay, yeah, we're fine if you do these things, then they can do it and the municipalities can't complain. If the municipalities say, well, we don't like these 17 recommendations or whatever, then it allows the province to basically say, see, we're, we're trying, but, you know, it's, you know, it, it's not us that's the NIMBYs, it's it's these city councils. So they can make like, a hard decision for them and they can say, too bad, like they, they if they wanted to do it, if the goal was more housing and not just politics, like they, <laughs> they could just do it, right? They, they could do it. Yeah, it's smart in a, you know, make this somebody else's problem type approach. It's not, it's it's definitely, it's the opposite of what we teach in leadership courses at, at Ivy. But uh, politically, it's it's quite clever. That's all for us today. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, and this episode was produced by Meredith Martin. Please like and subscribe or leave a comment. It would help us out a lot. See you next time.